Hi everyone, this is Emma Colon. I'm the media and storytelling manager at the Laundromat Project. My name is Julia Mata, and I'm the media and storytelling fellow here at the Laundromat Project. And welcome to the LP Documents Podcast. A podcast where we dive into the worlds of community-engaged artists and creatives who are part of the larger Laundromat Project family. For those who don't know, the Laundromat Project is an organization that advances artists and neighbors as change agents in their own communities. We envision a world in which artists and neighbors in communities of color work together to unleash the power of creativity to transform lives. This season on the show, we'll be examining themes of affirmation and belonging, both central parts of the community building process. How can POC artists, creative practitioners, and neighbors work together to affirm each other and work towards self-determination in community. Today we'll be hearing from two amazing artists and alumni of the Create Change program, Sydney Ballou and Samer, aka Ridiculous, as they talk about their individual journeys in the world of ballroom. We wanted to know, what does community building look like in the ballroom scene? I'll pass it over to Sydney and Samer to take it from here. Enjoy! Thank you so much. Yeah, for, I guess for folks who don't know, my name's Sydney Ballou. I am a writer, a performer, an artist, a, um, a thinker, and I would say also an archivist. Um, been in the ballroom scene for about 10 years. I currently work as a co-EP um, and writer on HBO Max's show, Legendary. And I'm a very proud member of the House of Extravaganza. Ow. <laughs> the, only, the only one. The only one. Um, but yeah, um, happy to be here. And I'm happy to be here with you, Samer. Why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Um, my name is uh, Samer. I go by the moniker Ridiculous. Um, and I'm a multidisciplinary artist. Um, I'm Jordanian, um, queer, and um, exploring that like newfound queerness, and that led me to ballroom. These uh, this this year's been crazy, but you've been working hard. You're in LA, right? Yeah, it's um, I'm in my very bare uh, Hollywood apartment because <laughs> I just moved here in November, but was otherwise living in New York. Found out we had gotten picked up for season two last year, and then. I was like, all right, the show moved to L.A., they upped the coin. I was like, all right, let me get out of New York for a little bit. <laughs> and then, you know, just move, move to Hollywood. That's everything. That's everything. And um, I love how you are doing this thing, right? And you're like doing it well, making the coin. But at the same time, it's 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 what you love as well. Like you it's ballroom. It's ballroom. Not that many people that could say that they write for for ballroom, you know, and, and be, be in it as well, you know? Yeah, it is kind of crazy because, I mean, I've been in the scene for 10 years. I've, uh, you know, walked balls, won trophies, made history as the first trans man to win a voguing category at the Latex yes. Ball 2019. So, yeah, it is kind of wild. Um, and I'm very grateful with Legendary especially, like thinking about how do you make this insider world more accessible to other people, especially mm. people who are not queer, you know, like middle America or even more broadly internationally, if and when the show 
goes that way. I feel like that's how people get their information. It's like through television. So you're you as a writer, you're 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 painting the picture for us. So it's awesome. Aww. And I know here at Laundromat Project, we talk a lot about like community and things like that. And we're shaping like what the future could look like. Mm. In, in in our way, not our way, but also like the right way. Hmm. Is that crazy? To say the right uh, way? No, yeah. I, I think I think you're onto something. Yeah. Let's kind of roll that back. How did you first get involved? I actually started voguing not because like I wanted to be a voguer, but because like I loved dancing as a kid, and I was always heavy, heavy weight, and like oh. and and the only way I was able to get rid of it is by dancing. I couldn't, I didn't like going to the gym, and like I'm not good at sports or whatever. So I was like, all right, I'll take this class, like this jamba, like you know, vogue, like you know, I'll take it. For me, it was more like I was, I really wanted to do all the cool dips and flips and stuff. And, um, and all the feminine stuff, because I was this little butch lesbian back then. And I was like, oh, I feel like, I feel like I never really gave femininity a good try. <laughs> I was like, oh, I failed at femininity. And this is also me being an overachiever, because I was like, I need to be good at everything. I'm really, and I remember I did Georgina's class and Georgina was like, you know, you're really good at the masculine stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's why I'm here, because <laughs> I'm here to learn. But then, but then I didn't fight it anymore because I was like, okay, let me lean into this. So that's how I got into Old Way. And I got deeper into it. Then, you know, moved to Paris, got into that scene, Vogue some more, London, Vogue some more, then finally moved back to the U.S. And then, you know, whatever, one thing leads to another. Okay, so you took Slim's class and then you got inspired and then I somehow ran into you. You made it seem like anybody could do it. <laughs> like like anyone can do it. Like anyone can do this thing. Because I took those classes, but I didn't take it seriously. I felt like I would never be able to get this. I felt like I would never be able to get this. Because, and this is a conversation about Vogue. There's two types of Vogue. There's the technicality. And then there's just your essence. Like just the attitude or whatever. And I technicality i'm realizing like I'm, i mean i'm trying my best but it's it's more it's that that empowerment that emboldening feeling that's like coming out now that's working out i didn't feel i didn't feel that feeling that that cunty feeling until i met benny ninja mm. benny ninja changed my life i speak with so much more emphasis now mm. i think it's really powerful when somebody helps you find your voice yeah like literally in that way, which I do think, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's interesting to hear you say it like that. Cause I think ballroom has given me a vocabulary, mm -hmm. like not only like straight up, you know, vocabulary, like ballroom <laughs> lingo, which the world is privy to, but I mean, there is that like, um, cause when you said it's an attitude, it's a feeling. Um, I think that my take no bullshit attitude 100 percent like doesn't it feel great <laughs> yeah and i think honestly that's in my opinion it's because the community was founded by femme queens it was founded by yes. trans women who had to fight for their way in the world yes. you know like i think about it a lot like avis Pendarvis, all the people who i never knew personally but i can only know spiritually like pepe labeja crystal labeja you know yes. dorian corey all the mothers, Angie, Extravaganza, like these are women who had a fight, you know, Paris Dupree, 
they had to like fight to just exist. And I feel like knowing your power is like so ingrained in every aspect of ballroom in a way. Do you know what I mean? 100%. That that ability to be like, I'm not going to be kind and cute and I'm going to be real. Mm. I mean, to me, that's ballroom. Like when you're mm. authentically like, no, I don't see it. I don't see it for her. No. I don't see it for her. I don't see it for her. I don't see it for her. I mean, to me, yes. that, that has given me a lot of um, power, even just, you know, being able to sniff out inauthenticity or things that are not for me, you know, because then you could just be like, nope. No. Exactly. Yeah. How do you feel about this like family structure that is in ballroom? If you're somebody like me who comes from like a difficult family, like biological family, mm-hmm. upbringing, it's kind of or like where I just didn't feel validated or understood or, you know, which I do think is like so many of us. So mm-hmm. then you like throw us all in a pot. <laughs> That's the most important conversation is that that conversation right there. Like in regards to chosen family, it's like to be allowed to do the things that you can't do, like, or, or like receive the, the love that you can't receive, um, you know, from your, from your biological, it's just different. They understand yeah. to yeah. love something is different than to understand it. To understand it is just, it's everything. Yeah. I think, I think cause at the end of the day, we all want to be understood on some level. Yeah. And that is definitely I mean, I talk to Giselle so much and it's just so helpful to have somebody who not only is like a, you know, elder trans person, she's not like old, but like who's older than I am <laughs> and who has just been in. You cannot clock it. She does not look a day over 21. <laughs> so we all just call her 21. She's going to love that when, <laughs> when she hears it. No, but Giselle, but then it's funny because Giselle has her moments where she kind of like gives away her age. I'm like, Ma, you could have Googled that. But <laughs> but, yeah. but I think like... Yeah. You know, having somebody who's older, who's trans, is very helpful, who's seen things in the world, who knows how to move in the world, you know? Like, I feel like, yeah, having a mother who can get me on that level, but then who can also get me as an artist. To me, that's like the big thing, is the fact that she understands when you are passionate about something, that that means something. Because that is something I've never, never gotten from my biological mom. I mean, my biological mom supports me in other ways, but I think, especially if your art is important to you. It's very helpful to have somebody, especially like Giselle and Jose, because like Jose also gets it where he's an artist and he just understands when, you know, you feel like you've got a vogue or you feel like, you know, you need something else or inspiration or whatever. It's just very helpful to have people who've been through it who can like guide you. And I I was going to say, I also appreciate having brothers and sisters because yeah that's that's one of the best parts it's really really one of the best parts um i mean the love that you get from your chosen family it's especially i mean me coming from like an arabic background and i i'm sure i've told you this before but like i am used to getting to know my ancestors knowing who my grandfather is if you say you're like if i was to say you my full name like i don't know i would be speaking for a very long time so when it comes to like queerness and navigating that it's like where is my history where are the people that have come before me and ballroom gives you that that the access to like know what it was like before then and like it just makes you feel grateful um especially within the way like hiv and aids has impacted the community Mm. it's just like 
I cannot believe it. I can't watch anything on TV that's that that's you know HIV as um, uh, AIDS related and like not like tear up. Mm. It's just so it's so much. Yeah, it's so. so I think much. that's a good point. It makes you feel like you're connected to something bigger, which I've always yeah. felt like even with all the politics about Paris is burning. I've always felt like at the end of the day, part of why it's so powerful is that I think for any LGBTQ people of color. The fact that we're not reflected anywhere, (laughs) like in history books or elsewhere, not even like, I mean, media wise, like, you know, Pose is like one of, you know, very few or if there are any representations of us. So, yeah, I -hmm. feel like knowing that you have a lineage and a history and there's people like you who came before, which also says, you know, there'll be people like you who come in the future. You know, I've always felt like, yeah, ballroom kind of gives you that. Yeah, that feels great to know, actually. Um, unity with us, I feel like, is is amongst the other houses. Um, so many trans, they, there was like so many trans women that died this month. Um, and there was funerals and Giselle um, called up so-and-so. Are you feeling okay from the House of Balenciaga and so on and forth? Like, you know what I mean? I feel like even though it's a competition in a way, I mean, all of like. Well, that's another thing. Like, it's like ballroom imitates life itself. It's it's like um, like if life is the uh, is the building, like ballroom is the like the little model. It's the Lego. It's just it's modeling it. Like we're all competitive in real life too. But at the end of the day, when like you know shit goes down, I'll, I'm I'm here for you. Yeah, I would say that too. Like unity and ballroom as a whole. I think even last year, you know, going to the protests together. Um, that kind of unity, solidarity for trans, black trans lives. I feel like that was like such a beautiful moment when our family not only came together, you know, to march, but also, yeah, in Laylene's honor. And I don't know, I feel like there's been a lot of moments like that. But you were talking about you and Giselle and how the art like between you two so how does ballroom play into your artist life? I'll put it this way. I don't think you could have ever told me even two years ago, four years ago, like my life would be like I make a living from the thing I love to do the most. And it's crazy to me, but it's also like it's what, you know, ideally one should do. So, you know, for me as a writer, both in terms of like working on legendary also working as a journalist as an oral historian of the ballroom scene i mean i'm steeped in ballroom and um and now i'm also like working on this book that's kind of like a memoir um that's about my time in the community and my archival work um so a hundred percent i mean it's affected not only like the subject matter that i'm looking at like really making sure our voices are heard because to me what's important like part of my frustration when I first started doing oral histories of the ballroom scene was that I saw in the academy people would like write extensive research theses whatever on dissertations on ballroom and never actually interview or talk to anybody from the community <laughs> and I yeah it was like you could get like a gender studies PhD and whatever and just cite that one article from Bell Hooks or Judith Butler about Paris is burning and make a whole career. And I gagged and I was pissed and I was like, this is so lazy. Like you have no excuse in the information age 
for like not Googling people or like not getting in touch with people. And so my mission has always been like, I want to make sure our voices, like we tell our own stories, then we have a chance to tell our own stories and that it's our voices that are there. And if I can create an opening for people to do that, I'm very happy to. So Mm -hmm. yeah, Yeah. that's kind of how I'm approaching things. But I'm curious for you, like where does ballroom fit in your work and trajectory in life? Um, ballroom for me is like, um, uh, excuse my language, like faggot boot camp. Like it is the most freeing thing that you can, it's, it's, I feel like it's necessary. It's healing for me as a queer person. Like I need that, you know? And I feel like my art was, um, was hiding the way my sexuality was hiding. And they're like, I feel like they're like two cars like parallel next to each other and like not one car is going like at a, at a higher speed than the other. They're like very going in the same path. And like the more comfortable I get with my queerness, which ballrooms is the reason why it's, I'm getting more comfortable and sitting in my chair a little deeper, but like, um, as I get more comfortable, like the art is getting better Mm. and it's getting more fluid and it's getting more confident and I'm getting confident. So it's all how everything's great. So it's like a fusion. I love this. I love this too, because I feel like I had that moment where I was like kind of almost living these parallel lives. And then at some point I just let ballroom take over and the rest is history. I love it. What's next for you? Like Sid, like, what are you, what are you, what are you working on now? Um, yeah, well, I guess, so Legendary Season 2, we wrapped at the end of March. It's out now. Um, I actually just got repped, which is exciting for my TV writing, so I'm moving into scripted. Got repped by APA, which is really exciting. I'm... Yes! Yeah, I'm I'm talking to book agents right now about this memoir that I'm looking to write about my time in the ballroom scene and... Um, also my archival work on the community and yeah it's just like a lot of things working on getting into a scripted room there's like a lot of things kind of like moving forward um but what are things looking like for you I feel like so much is happening as well yeah you know I like to play it humble but um I'm I'm graduating LP here in June I got into grad school yeah I'm going to Hunter in the fall MFA. Okay. Painting. Okay. And guess what? It's right next to the piers. Yeah. So I'm bitch. I'm voguing after. I, li- I live. I live <laughs> after class. <laughs> It'll be art session vogue. Um, I'm here for it. That yeah. would be fab. I'm, I don't know. I'm happy. I'm, I feel really good. I feel. I feel. I'm not going backwards. Mm. Only forwards. Only up. Sid, it's honestly, it's been a pleasure knowing you. I, I know I told you this, but like. Seriously, um, I'm honored to know somebody that's like shaping the future for these kids and archiving all this because if you didn't write it down, it didn't happen. So mm. thank you for writing it down. Mm. Well, thank you, Samer. Honestly, I mean, especially the direction your art's going in, I'm very excited, especially this new chapter because it just feels like, I don't know, like you said, you keep getting deeper, you keep sort of, you know, those those two cars it sounds like they're merging at some point. So I live yeah. and I'm excited to see what the next part is. Gonna merge. merge. They are gonna merge. 
All right. I love you, Sid. Love you too, Samer. If you want to keep up with Sydney and Samer, you can find them both on our Instagram. We'll have them tagged in the post for this show and in the show notes. And if you want to keep up with what we're doing here at the Laundromat Project, you can find us at www.laundromatproject.org and on all social media platforms. Happy Pride, everyone.